This episode and the entire season is proudly brought to you by California Cryobank. Use code QueerFam for a free level two subscription at cryobank.com. The Queer Family Podcast. Love is love is love on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love is love on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love is love on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love. So going back to my story about being a Nigerian and being raised with this cat as a Catholic with all these religious mm-hmm. ethics mm-hmm. and all the, all the things, right? I grew up hating myself. And when mm. my child was born and I noticed one little sign of acting feminine, I was like, oh my God, no. So what I did was I started bargaining with God. I said, God, mm. please don't make him be gay. Please don't make him be gay. Please, whatever you do, I'll do anything. Just don't let my son be gay. He's my first son. You know, he's my first child. It's like, I, you know... All I was doing was thinking about me, me, me. Never thought about the child for one moment. Even as a person who I told my own father when I was 16, and I knew inside that I didn't make myself bisexual. Mm-hmm. Nobody makes themselves. I, as much, I make myself bisexual as much as I make myself black. Like, yeah. I didn't right. do that. Mm-mm. Welcome to the Queer Family Podcast, the show all about family, but with gay. (laughs) My name is Jamie, and I'm your gay host. (laughs) And you are tuning in, my beautiful friends, to the show whose mission is to uplift, highlight, normalize, and celebrate LGBTQIA plus families in all of our beautiful identities. And ooh, my friends, does this episode do just that? I had the honor of sitting down with Dr. Lulu. Dr. Lulu is a pediatrician and an advocate, and she is Nigerian born. And in this episode, she shares her personal journey of self discovery and acceptance as a queer person. There's a lot of internalized homophobia that went along with that. I don't want to give it away. Got to a place of self acceptance living that queer life. And then her child turned out to be transgender. And she had a whole nother journey with that, y'all. It is really a beautiful episode. And I'm not kidding when I say that. Dr. Lulu basically didn't need me (laughs) for this interview. Dr. Lulu was like on a mission to tell the story. And she did just that. She does a beautiful job. Y'all are going to be like on the edge of your seat waiting to hear what she has to say. And not only did Dr. Lulu do like a complete 180 in regards to her beautiful transgender child, she also now is a supreme advocate for all LGBTQIA plus youth across the world and is doing the good work. And I feel very lucky to know Dr. Lulu at this point. You're going to love this episode. So you're going to all take a listen and enjoy it. But before I roll that tape, y'all know I'm a finalist for an Anthem Award, which is a show that kind of highlights in awards purpose and mission-driven work like this here little podcast, and I want to win it. But I'm also, because I am a finalist in the DEI, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion category, it also makes me eligible for a community award, which every finalist is eligible for. And that comes with folks in the community voting. I hate asking y'all to vote. I hate asking y'all to do something else. And hopefully I don't ever have to ask you to vote again. But if you'd be so kind to head on over to anthemawards.com 
com and click the button that says support anthem finalists and then find the search icon and then search for the queer family podcast and when you find me click the little button that says celebrate and that's it that's all you got to do and then that puts a vote in for me to win a community award whatever that means it doesn't change the fact that i'm still a finalist so if you don't have the time i get it but it would be so fun if everybody just went in there and did that like as a holiday gift to me i wouldn't hate you for it we only have like 10 more days to vote so if you have time go for it go for it and um i have to say something before i roll the tape again mom brain is a real thing because here's what happened recently in the last two or three episodes every time i have mentioned my daughter i have been saying she's 11 years old now i don't know where that number came to me because it's not a real number at all my daughter is not 11 years old <laughs> i even my mom called me and was like i i heard you say that rose is is 11 but i was doing the math and i i didn't think she was i'm like no she's not mom i don't know why i keep saying that my daughter is turning 10 this weekend <laughs> so i don't know why i've been saying my child is 11 but i have said it in so many interviews so if you heard me say that my daughter is 11 it's not true i have an almost 10 year old and a six year old now so i can't even say i have a nine to five dolly parton anymore which breaks my heart but it's okay i had it for a year but it's so funny and what comes with a 10 year old preteen whatever you want to call it like i wanted to let y'all know that after uh, this week, I'm going on a little tiny holiday hiatus. I'm taking a couple weeks off from releasing new episodes. But don't you worry. Don't you worry, because I'm always thinking of y'all. So I'm not leaving you hanging. I didn't want to leave you hanging with nothing. So I will be releasing episodes, just not new, not our, our um, normal scheduled content, as it were. I'm actually going to be releasing episodes of different podcasts that I have guested on. So you'll be hearing some fun interviews in the weeks to come and you won't be left high and dry with nothing to listen to on your Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, whenever you listen. So be on the lookout for that. I have some really great um, interviews coming at you that are fun and a good thing to listen to for the holidays. And then I'll be back nice and strong for season 15 y'all we are heading into season 15 in january i can't even handle it but what i wanted to say about my daughter who's a preteen is you know my wife and i and we like to listen to podcasts in the car like on long drives when the kids are always in the car with us of course and we used to be able to and we like true crime a lot sometimes when we're not listening to like all my favorite podcasters who i love and i've told you about we do listen to some true crime which gets kind of dicey and we used to be able to just put it on and the kids they, they don't pay attention they don't care whereas this one is at the age where she's low-key listening and we don't even know and then she'll just be like mom what does castration mean and we're like oh sh turn it off turn it off we didn't know you were listening you can't listen to this this is not for your ears so we're in that state in my life and that's um that's what i wanted to say about that and she is almost 10 not 11 like i've been saying forever <laughs> I can't even, what's wrong with me? I don't even know. I need a break. Mama needs a break and a cocktail. So I'm taking a little break. Please feel free to continue to reach out to me. You can send me an email at thequeerfamilypodcast at gmail.com. You can leave me a voicemail at 646-470-1840. Don't forget, you can always join my Patreon at patreon.com slash thequeerfamilypodcast and follow me on social media. I will still be live. I will still be all over that social media at the Queer Family Podcast across all the platforms. So you didn't know you wanted me, but I'm still going to be there. 
You never asked, but there I am. I will always be there for you. (laughs) All right, it's time to roll the tape. I have yammered on enough. Y'all have to hear Dr. Lulu's amazing story. Helen, Beulah, Nicole, my lovely, lovely assistants, please, if you will, roll that beautiful tape. We're bringing in Dr. Lulu. (laughs) Queer family podcast, love is love. Hi, Dr. Lulu. Hi, honey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Excited. Me too. Listen, for the listeners at home, we have already been talking so, like, I had to stop Dr. Lulu. Wait, 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 Dr. Lulu, you're saying so much beautiful stuff. Wait, let me press record. So this is going to be a fantastic, beautiful episode. I can't wait to hear everything you have to say and your whole story. So um, I think without further ado, if you don't mind, I'm just going to say, let's get that 30-second elevator pitch if you're cool with it. On your mark, get set, go. So my name is Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. The Marmatrician. I was born, bred, buttered, and slightly burned in Nigeria, one of the most homophobic and yet most religious countries in West Africa. I rep the real West Coast, just FYI. Mm -hmm. I'm a mom, I'm a pediatrician, and I'm a queer, proudly bi-plus person who agitates the governor of Texas on a daily basis because somebody has to. And by the way, my child is also trans. Hey. Okay, that was under time. I don't know how you got so much in, and you didn't practice that. You didn't even know about the elevator pitch. No. I mean, that was professional. That was high grade. That's. I know that you're ready for that TED Talk. You were telling me about this. <laughs> oh, yes, okay. let's do it. Okay, we got to dig in. Dr. Lou Lou. Oh, my God. Okay, so you are from Nigeria. Let's talk about that a little bit. And and the, you, just, you said, like, a very homophobic country, also very religious. Can we dig in? Let's talk about that, because you're my first person who hails from the beautiful country of Nigeria. Of Nigeria, yes, Nigeria. So Nigeria was colonized by the British people. They came, and we finally got our independence in 1960, and I was born nine years later. So I was born in 69. And I have a very interesting tattoo on my right radial pulse, over my right radial pulse. Most people think it's a heart, but actually it's a 69. <laughs> I know it's kind of funny. Maybe you can see it. And not because I was, not only because I was born in 69, but also because my ex-wife was born in 69. And you can't see it now, but my favorite color is red and her favorite color is blue. So we have a red and a blue. And we have it over the radial pulse because it was long distance for a long time. And so what we did was every time I missed her, every time she missed me, all you had to do is just feel your pulse and then you can feel your boo, right? I say that because one of the things that I was told when I was growing up in Nigeria was you can never have a relationship or even a beautiful relationship with a woman and love her Mm -hmm. and actually like marry her. You're right. going straight to hell. I was raised mm-hmm. to believe that I was going to go straight mm-hmm. to hell. Can't collect 200, can't pass go. And, and that was who I was when I was 16. I told my dad, I said, daddy, you know, I kind of like girls and I like boys. And wow, bless good my for dad. You. I know, bless my dad, because one of the things that I realized now looking backward is he only knew what he knew. And he spoke from a place of Love and he said, Nay is a term of endearment for your daughter, but it really means mother. Mm-hmm. And he said, Nay, it's just a phase you're going to grow out of it. So I want to hold space for my dad and for all the parents who think like my dad, who still think like my dad, who thought like mm-hmm. my dad, and who still think mm-hmm. like my dad, because mm-hmm. it's true. We don't know what we don't know, 
But like Queen Angelou said, once you know better, you got to do better. Yes. And so guess what? What? I believe my father. And for 26 years, I was fighting this person mm -hmm. inside mm -hmm. of me. Like, mm -hmm. oh, no, don't look at her so. Don't, don't think about her so. Don't, don't do mm -hmm. that because you don't want to go to hell. And finally, I met my ex-wife. And I called my dad and I said, you know, daddy, remember that, that phase? <laughs> it's not, it's not phasing out. I say that because a lot of time was lost. Mm. A lot of love was not explored. There was a mm. lot of self-hatred, aka internalized homophobia that was mm -hmm. going on in my in me, in my body, in my soul. You know, I was like, you know, don't don't do this because it's bad. Mm -hmm. And now I know that my dad only knew that much. Mm. And so be in the spirit of becoming bigger and better and more than our parents. You would think I would have done better when my child mm. started showing signs of being a little bit effeminate. Now, let mm -hmm. me tell you a little bit about Nigeria. I'm from the Igbo tribe, I-G-B-O, so I'm Igbo. Mm -hmm. And in Igbo land, where I come from, having a first child born male, or like we say now, assigned male at birth yes. is the ultimate dream is the right. ultimate goal is everything mm. case in point when i was born i'm the first of six when i was born my parents named me uchenna uchenna means god's will so here's mm -hmm. the way i interpreted this when my brother was born after me my brother was named ifanacho ifanacho means the child we desire so tell me, Ooh. if you were me, what would you think? Oh, I'm what am I, chopped liver? Like, right. so right. I was, um, I came as a girl and they're like, oh, well, I guess it's God's will that we have a girl. And then when my brother came along, oh yeah, here's the kid that we're looking for. So, yeah. you know, I say mm. that with joke, mm. tongue and cheek, but it's true. Having mm -hmm. a male child is the desired outcome of every pregnancy. When women are born, when girls are born or when a child is born and assigned a female at birth, we, we like, oh, yeah, it's a girl. Okay, well, when is the next pregnancy, you know? And if you right. have three boys, oh, my God, she's amazing. She's a beast. She's a robot. You know, she's savage. She had three <laughs> boys. You know, it's, it's the, the whole uh, reaction. Like, oh, that's the lady that has five sons or that's the guy that has, you know, six sons. And right, you just put up on a pedestal. I want to say that because it all everything ties in. Mm. Everything ties mm. in to what, what we're seeing today. Mm. When a child who's assigned male at birth, how dare that child use their mouth to voice that they're mm. actually trans and that they're actually a woman? Mm. You see, the society has put men, as you said, in a pedestal, whereas like they are mm -hmm. supreme, they are above, they are everything, which gives birth to toxic masculinity, which mm -hmm. by the way, if you look into that particular syndrome, it leads to all kinds of negative outcomes, okay. including homicide of black trans women today. Yes. As at this yes. moment, we have over 400 black trans women who have been killed this year alone. Mm -hmm. Let me tell yes. you something. I'm a mother of a black trans woman. If you were me, what would you do? 
Would you just yeah. relax and sip on your gin and juice? Or will you get, roll up your sleeves and get into the trenches and get busy? Well, I did the alternative, but yeah. not, I didn't always do that. So going back to my story about being a Nigerian and being raised with this cat as a Catholic, with all these religious mm-hmm. ethics mm-hmm. and all the, all the things, right? I grew up hating myself. And when mm. my child was born, and I noticed one little sign of acting feminine, I was like, oh my God, no. So what I did was I started bargaining with God. I said, God, mm. please don't make him be gay. Please don't make him be gay. Please, whatever you do, I'll do anything. Just don't let my son be gay. He's my first son. You know, he's my first child. It's like, I, you know, all I was doing was thinking about me, me, mm. me. Never thought about the child for one moment. Even as a person who I told my own father when I was 16, and I knew inside that I didn't make myself bisexual. Mm-hmm. Nobody makes themselves. I, as much, I make myself bisexual as much as I make myself black. Like, yeah. I didn't right. do that. Mm-mm. So the point I'm trying to make is just kind of to answer your very first question, everything ties together. And so when my baby was born, I low-key rejected the child as they started growing because I was like, I don't want this child to be gay. I don't want this child to be a feminine. I don't want this child to act like a... And so my mantra the entire time the child was growing up was stop acting like a girl. Mm-hmm. Stop. As a matter of fact, I have a chapter in the book. I don't have the book here, but I have a chapter in the book that is titled Stop Acting Like a Girl because that was my mantra for my child the entire mm-hmm. time the child was growing And when she got a little bit older, she's like, mom, what do you mean stop acting like a girl? How do girls act? I said, the way you're acting, you're not a girl, you're a boy. It runs so deep, right? Yes. And I say this with so much passion, mama, because as the child grew, Mm. I pushed the child away. At one point, I took the child to the pastor, my friend who's Pastor Anthony. I said, please pray for my child. I don't want my child to be gay. Please pray for my child. I don't know what pastor... Anthony was praying for my child, but they prayed. Mm. So I want to say this to say, I am very happy to tell everyone who I was. Mm. And the fact Mm. that once you know better, you do better, it doesn't get any better than that. As my child grew, I was pushing the kid away. When she turned 16, she was going off to college. She got into Stanford. I was so excited. Oh my God, my child, my child, my child, my child, my child. So excited, right? Yeah. And then the first thing that happened was I got blocked on Twitter. Then I got blocked on other social media platforms. And I was like, wait, what's going on? That coincided with change of pronouns. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I was just like, why is my kid blocking me? What's going on, right? It was like quicksand. The more I wiggled, the deeper I sunk. I was creating a big old wedge. It was getting wider and wider. On the one hand, very proud of my kid, very supportive of academics. Like if you know Nigerians, you know, we're like so proud to be educated and all that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what my kid said to me? She said one time, she said, mom, I will take back all of the straight A's, all of the five-time state spelling B champion of the state of South Carolina, all of the full scholarship, full ride to Stanford. I will take all of that back if you had just seen me for who Mm. I was, Mm. I'm going to let that sink in. Mm -hmm. 
So on the one hand, I am this doting mama, so proud. But the, the whole time I'm like, God, please, I'll do anything. Just don't let this child be gay. And the whole time God is like, hmm, so <laughs> what had happened was, I don't know, like, what are you saying exactly? Because, uh, have you looked in the mirror? I know, yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> this is so real because this is what we are reduced to because of religious trauma, because of, mm. because of cultural trauma, because of societal expectations. We effectively push our kids to death. I'm very, I say that with my full chest because if you look up, Jamie, if you look- I'm knocking wood. Yes. If you yes. look, and I say that because, and I say that with, with my full chest because my first TED Talk is about youth suicide prevention. So I, I know mm. what I'm saying. We push our kids to death because if you look at the studies, the studies that have come up have shown that African-American children aged 5 through 12 are twice as likely as their white counterparts to die by suicide. Mm. I didn't make that up. Dr. Lulu mm. didn't, had none to do with it. It's a study that has been repeatedly shown that that's the number we're dealing with. And when they mm -hmm. go back to why this is happening, ACEs. Have you heard about ACEs before, Jamie? ACEs. ACEs no. is adverse childhood experiences, aka childhood trauma. Oh, well. So we found out that African-American children who are dying by suicide, the root cause is childhood trauma. The average drug company doesn't want you to say that. They want you to say the root cause is depression so they can sell mm -hmm. their pills. Mm. That's why the book that Oprah wrote with Dr. Berry is so important, which by the way, my TED talk came before that book. And in my TED talk, I said the same thing. I said, don't ask the children why, ask them what happened. Mm -hmm. And so going back to my child, I want you to see how a child who did not create themselves who wants the best thing a child wants from any parent is for them to see them wholly as they are, fully as they are, in all of their everythingness. I saw my child up to a point that I didn't want to see. Right. Forget that I was struggling with my own self, in my had my own You were not seen. You were you're repeating this cycle, but also living out your truth as best you can, but also with so much internalized homophobia and hatred of yourself. I love it. You're not alone in that. That is, I think every single listener can hear what you're saying and understand it and recognize this, you know. Recognize the fact that children yearn for parental love, yearn for parental affirmation. Here's an example. A toddler who does some, mommy, 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 come see this. Come and see what I did. Mommy, 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 come and see this. Mm -hmm. They yearn for parental affirmation. And what the children will do is they will lessen themselves. They will diminish themselves. They will do anything they have to do so you can see them. Mm -hmm. No child ever wants to disappoint their parents. And I was my own child. I got straight A's. I got full scholarship through high school and medical school. I did the exact same thing my own kid was doing. Mm. And so when I say to people that my child's, I don't use the phrase coming out. I use the phrase inviting in. My child's mm. invitation into their transgender world set me free. Mm. Let mm -hmm. me tell you. Mm. God's will. There it is. 
Uchenna. That's God's will. I never even thought about that. Thank you for saying that because recently I was looking at Instagram like we all do. And I saw Wakanda Forever, um, the Black Panther, Chad Bosman was talking about purpose, how your purpose is not even about the work you do or the people you meet. Your purpose is about that thing that God gave to you that said, this is what I want you to do. This is the legacy I want you to leave. This is what I put you on this earth for. And you're right. People usually, you know, kind of manifest what their names are. Hmm. So this work that I'm doing, thank you for, I'm going to forever talk about you, Jamie, because I'll say, you know what, Jamie told me on their podcast that, you know, my name, I'm actually now living my name. I'm manifesting the proclamation that was my name, which is what we do in Africa, by the way. When we name our children, it's usually based on circumstances, based on an announcement or something is happening when we're Mm -hmm. naming our children. That's kind of how we name our children. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that piece of revelation. This was so needed. I love that. Okay. Look at us just making (laughs) progress here. I'll tell you what, you really did. You got the child that you needed in order to get to your place of freedom. And it's ongoing, you know, as transitions are and as growth is, it's always ongoing, as you know, but that is really deep. It is deep. It deep is what, if, if deep is what we have, then deep is what we use, right? Deep, deep is, is true. It is. it is. And I, and I love what you said because my, this, my, this book hasn't been published yet, but this book is in the works. It's called Invited In. Ooh. Invited In, How to Become the Parent Your LGBT Child needs. So it's not just having the child that I need, it's also becoming the parent that my child needs. Well, we all need to learn how to be the, the parent that our child needs, regardless, regardless of the LGBTQ factor. We all need to be the parent that our child needs. And we all struggle with that. Let's be real. And then you add these extra layers in like gay, trans, black, Black, immigrant, Texas. Texas, Florida. You add these layers that are traumatizing our children and the shit we put on them. How do we learn to be the parent our children need? And I want to know, how did you turn it around? Where did it go? But before, before we get to that, Dr. Lulu, because I didn't realize that you were married to a woman. You, oh, you knocked me. Let me tell you, how much time do you have? <laughs> we'll be right back. Ed Center, parenting coach extraordinaire. What are you doing in this episode? This is not your episode. I know. I'm sorry to break in and cut off other people and make this about me. I know that is a tendency. However, I needed to come in to invite you to our special January class. It is a new year, no yelling challenge. Oh, Ed. I know. I want you to take the challenge on. I think it's going to be terrific for you. I know that you want more joy and calm in your parenting life. I do. It is true. More tools in your toolkit. Yes, I do. That's a good lesbian metaphor, right? Tools (laughs) in the toolbox. My tool belt. (laughs) Yes. To support better behavior from your kids. Yes. And so I want to invite you. It's an amazing opportunity. Every day in January, you'll get a bite-sized lesson, five minutes to support your calmness and your parenting. You will also get community, small group coaching sessions that are optional. Oh, okay. And I think it 
is going to really help you thrive in 2024. I also want to invite all your listeners in. If they go to my website, villagewellparenting.com and click on the new year, no yelling challenge, and then Uh use code queerfam at checkout. They can take the course for just 10 bucks. Ooh, and you get all that support and you get little nuggets every day. That's the part I'm forward to. I don't know if I'm going to actually succeed at this, but let's do it. I am a hundred percent sure you're going to succeed and you're going to have fun along the way. I don't know about that, but I'm excited. All right. Everybody go to villagewellparenting.com and use code queerfam in the new year challenge. Oh my God. No yelling. I don't know how this is going to go. You out. got this girl. I believe in you. I have a feeling I know exactly how this is going <laughs> to go. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> love is love. Wait, Dr. Lou, I just want, Dr. Lou, I just want, the, you came over here. I, I'm assuming you were young when you came over. Uh, how long have you been uh, in the States? A long time. So I'll be 30 years old next year. And you met your, your ex-wife here? I met my ex-wife here, yes. We, and we were married for nine years. That's, we had the best love story ever. <laughs> Unfortunately, as some people experienced, because I know we did, COVID came and just... Mm. You know, what Ian Lavanzan said was that no marriage that dissolved during COVID was without the cracks before COVID. So we had the cracks already. already. And what she says that COVID was the blunt trauma that came and just kind of put the final hammer to it and then dissolved. Yeah. Did you make your family together? No, 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 no. As as an ex-husband. I tell people all the time, one of the things I tell people is I am... My friends, I said, I'm your only friend who has an ex-husband and an ex-wife. And I'm very proud to say that. I've talked to a lot of people who have an ex-husband and ex-wife and something in between. I I only know me. So this is good. I'm happy that I need to meet these people. (laughs) We run the gamut. This is the queer community. Come on now. I love it. Um, I love it. And some of them at the same time. So, um, Oh, I love it. I love it. (laughs) So you had a, you you were with your uh, ex-husband. You made your three children. in in that time. Then you met ex-wife and then you did like a blended family thing, just for the overview of of your family story. Um, Because the listeners all know all kinds, like, you know, we want to know, we want to know how did it come about? Where did the babies come from? Who did the baby, who (laughs) who had the baby? You know, how much of an influence was your ex-wife and the family and and how much the ex-husband, you know, all these things. These are important to I mean, my ex-husband and I were married for 13 years. My ex-husband and I were married for nine years. So, I mean, I'm at, I'll be 55 my next birthday. So, I mean, I've been around for a minute and a half, right? Yeah. Met my ex-husband when I came here. We got married in 98, I think. And then the eldest was born in 99. So we got divorced in 2009. And then I got remarried in 2012 to my ex-wife. And then we got divorced last in 21. So about nine years later. So yeah, so well, the kids were already born, tubes already tied, everything was done. I've mm-hmm. always wanted to have three children. It didn't matter to me. And one of the things I used to say, I used to tell my ex-husband before he passed away, actually, was I said, no, I've always wanted two, two, three children, two boys and a girl, right? I've always, that had always been my dream. But then I had three boys, in quotes. Oh, you did? I know. And then, I'm, and then in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, God, you know, I really wanted a, a girl. But um, my child God, said no. to me, mom, mom, you've always had a daughter. And it's so deep. I was like, oh, my God, like, I missed that. I missed it. I was too busy looking. Ah, let me tell you. Oh, <sighs> man. OK, let's go back, because how did you turn it around? What did you do? 
How did you get to the place? Because now you're coaching folks and you're writing books and you are an open book, which I absolutely love. And I love how candid you are about the the parent you were before. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, Let me just tell you, I have family members who are LGBT. Mm. More than half a dozen that I know right now. However, mm-hmm. comma, it's Nigeria. Yeah. There's religious chokehold. Mm. So it doesn't matter if you're LGBT or not. You're going to mess around and not be no LGBT because bad things can happen to you. Mm. So that said, that was part of who I, I was indoctrinated into this yeah. kind of system. So coming to the U.S., it didn't, I just changed my location, but I was still me, right? One of the things I tell people all the time is because I'm bi plus, we can easily cover as heterosexual all day. And oh, so yeah. I did that and I perfected right. that act until I met my ex-wife. And then she was like, no, right. we're going, <laughs> we, no, you're not doing it. And so, but the point I'm making is that my own ex-husband rejected our kid. Yeah. And so I needed to make a very quick decision. because I know the impact of parental rejection. I know all of that. So going back to the more you know, the better you do. It doesn't get any better than that. I was pushing back, don't get me wrong, the entire time. At the graduation from Stanford, my kid was getting the award of excellence from the College of Arts and Science, arts and science. And the announcer kept saying, they, this, and they, that and they this and they that mm-hmm. and I was like son I thought you were the only one getting the award who are all these people <sighs> true story as God is my witness I said son wait a minute I thought you were the only one getting the award who are all these people this man is talking about who are they yeah and then this was 2020 graduation mm-hmm. so my middle child said mom and I usually use X when I talk about my kid. My middle side said, mom, I think it's because X is non-binary. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and I asked my ex, I said, dude, what is non-binary? She was like, I don't know. That's your kid. What is, we don't, we don't, we, don't, we didn't know. Right. You are in a queer relationship, nine years. It's the more you know, you know, right? I am like, what the fuck is non-binary? <laughs> non-binary is what? I was like, wait, 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 wait. I used my mom to say, I now said, I thought you were just gay. You see that? Do you see how the brain yeah. works? Yeah. At the whole time, I was like, God, I don't want a child to be gay. And then I now said, wait, wait, wait. I thought you were, I thought you were just gay. What is this non-binary? I want to say this because it's so beautiful when you allow yourself to just lean in and be vulnerable. One of the things I talk mm. about in my TED Talk is the vulnerability in parenting is so needed. We have to parent as students. My third TED Talk is titled, Let the Children Lead, Parenting mm. as Students. We have to parent as students. You have to assume that your child, every single child is a blank slate. You don't mm. know them. And you're going to yeah. let the child tell you who they are. Mm. So when I found out that non-binary exists, because I never knew, that was when I realized that, wait a minute. When you're talking about LGBTQQIAAPPO2S, when you're talking about that, there is sexuality and there is gender. Yes. I didn't know that. 
So when I say my child opened up a world of knowledge for me, because I wasn't running anymore. It was at the graduation. I found out about the non-binary. And of course, I pushed back. Hello, I'm a Nigerian mother. I'm like, nah, this is not happening. And then I went back with my tail between legs. I said, God, what are you doing? I thought we said, I thought we were. And then God was like, nah, I was never part of that mess. I was looking at you, asking you, what are you doing? I was asking you what you were doing. Don't, don't try to put this on me. And I was like, so what now? And, and God is like, you tell me what now? This is your kid. And I'm like, you know what? Whatever. And God is like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I was like, we're not doing this. And God was like, let me watch you because you're telling me that you're a pediatrician, you're a speaker, you're an activist, you're this, you're that. Oh, wait. Oh, so, cause I'm like, why me? God is like, wait, 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 wait. Why not you? Mm. Who is it going to be then? And so God made a deal with me. God said, here's what I'm going to do. If you act right, I will send people to take your message. Mm -hmm. I'll send Jamie mm -hmm. from the Queer Family Podcast. I'll yeah. send freaking Oprah. Uh -huh. But this work you must do. Mm. And so became my unlearning. Mm. Mm -hmm. I had to start unlearning. And I used to say, I unlearned my, my BS, all the BS I'd been taught. I had to sit down and begin to unlearn. Because what I tell parents is, the day before you found out that your child is gay, trans, bi, whatever, the day before that, it was the same child. Mm -hmm. The only reason you're feeling this way today is because you have thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's a very neutral sentence. Mom, I'm trans. Mom, I'm a lesbian. Mom and bye is a neutral sentence until you have thoughts about it. And the thoughts you have are about your identity as a parent of a trans kid. Because your kid is who they are. They were the same kid yesterday. They're going to eat the same rice and chicken and beans and have a bowel movement, all of that. <laughs> However, karma, you, my darling, are now having to face yourself in the mirror. Mm. Because now your identity, your identity has changed. The identity has always been the same. And this is the thing. So once I realized that, I said, wait, I got to tell people about it. People need to know about this. <laughs> I cannot be the only one. No. So that's how my unlearning became, began. People always say, wait, you just found out a year or two ago. I'm like, yeah, how long does it take for me to make up a decision? Just a decision is like this. You don't mm -hmm. have to wait. People are like, oh, my kid came out five years ago and I'm still struggling. You're only struggling. Listen, your suffering is directly proportional to your thoughts about your identity. Mm -hmm. You're suffering. Today, if your child says I'm trans and you start suffering, you're suffering because you have decided to make it mean something negative about you. Mm -hmm. And so why wouldn't I tell people about this? Why would I try to help people? Listen, I, I want everybody to, to play this episode for their parents. <laughs> Seriously. Because my father, the same thing as I did, I was suffering. As long mm. as I was fighting my own identity as a parent of a gay child when I thought the kid was just gay. <laughs> I suffered for years. But who else is suffering though? The child is suffering. Mm. Their siblings are suffering. Your marriage might even suffer. And I was talking about that in a Facebook group the other day. Yeah. How mothers jump up and usually are the first ones to start accepting. Mm. Where are the fathers? Mm. 
the so-called superior sex, where are they? Mm-hmm. Well, they got all that toxic masculinity built up. Do you see when I said <laughs> everything is connected? It Where sure are the dads? They're too busy mm-hmm. thinking, oh my God, my child is gay. That means I'm somehow defective. My sperms, mm. my penis, because that's all. They, it always comes down to that one thing. Let's just call a spade a spade and I'm a physician. What are the guys I'm a physician. Say? I can call penis without any, my straight yes. face. It's like the ear and the eye. It's a body part. Yes. It's not charged. When they say tiny dick syndrome, we're not joking. <laughs> a lot of times it comes down to, oh my God, I'm no longer a man because my child yeah. is gay or somehow my son is no longer a son. This is what my ex-husband suffered with mm. until he passed away without reconciling with the kid in June. Mm-hmm. So, so when mm-hmm. I'm telling you this, I'm talking about lived experience. Yes. Well, that's watch my kids suffer from now being ostracized by my dad, ostracized by my mom, ostracized by my, my family members. So if you are me, what would you do? Would you leave the kid? So when I tell you that suicide is high, you can kind of begin to see why. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I want to say also, I wonder how your daughter talked to her friends about your acceptance or lack of acceptance being a queer mom yourself. Uh I wonder what her takeaway was during the time before you made the big switch and and grew and realized everything. I love that question. I love that. That's, that's, you know, wonder. I love it. My kid told me on Christmas day in the morning, I got a phone call and I'm thinking, hi mom, Merry Christmas. Nope. It was, hello mom, I'm trans. Mm-hmm. On Christmas Day on 2021, what, what are you, are you, transfer, are you transferring? Because we were, at that time, we were at the New England Conservatory of Music. And I'm like, are we tra- transfer? trans what? I'm transgender. And I was like, I thought you were non-binary. <laughs> wait, wait. What about the non-binary? Now, I want every parent to know that it's okay to feel exasperated discombobulated, confused, all of the words. I just don't want you to do what I did and ask the child. Mm -hmm. Because many children who are transgender do what my kid did. They start by saying maybe that they're gay or they start by saying maybe that they're bi. And then they say, well, actually, I'm non-binary. They're trying to find a way to tell you. Mm -hmm. And eventually when I came around, when I found my senses within, I think, three weeks later. I was like, well, why didn't you tell me this whole time? She was like, mom, really? Mm-hmm. Our home mm-hmm. was extremely transphobic were her words. I mean, mm-hmm. I raised kids, my kids would tell me that. Listen, call me out. She was like, my, yeah. our home was so transphobic. I could have never told you. And mm-hmm. she was right because my ex-wife and I, queer couple, would watch America's most beautiful talent or something. The one, the one with Tyra Banks, the most beautiful girl oh, in America. Top model. Yeah. And then we would, both of us like, why does Miss G have to act like that? Why, why he got to act so gay? Why does he have to mm. be so feminine? What's up with him? To my child's hearing, nonstop. So, so if yeah. you are my child, what will you do? I am so thankful that my child never, at, to my knowledge, attempted suicide on all mm. the things, Right. Because mm-hmm. when I said we push our kids to death, you see what I mean now? Because yes. I was not 
mild about it. And somewhere at the back of my mind, I'm just going to be honest, I was like, I want my child to hear this, to know that it's not, it's not appropriate. Even as societal pressure is so powerful, mm-hmm. it can cloud your vision. It can mm-hmm. cloud your judgment. It can make you pick them against your child. It mm-hmm. will pit you mm-hmm. against your child. And when I say society, I mean culture, religion, the news, social media, your friends, all the things except your brain telling you, but you know this is wrong, right? Mm. When a parent kicks out their child for being gay or trans or bi, they know that what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. But they would rather do that because it's an ex- it's a show. So people will see that I cannot tolerate my child being trans. But really, truly, the person who is telling you that your child who is trans, who is asking you to kick that child out, wants your child dead. I'm just going to come out and say it. Mm. Because they know the high rate of suicide among these people. Mm. And I ask people all the time, I say, do you think, do you know anybody in their right minds who say, you know what, of all the things I want to be, I want to be trans in today's world? No. Exactly. I want to choose this lifestyle because that's what, oh, why do you choose the lifestyle? Really? Right. I couldn't no, choose it if I choose. wanted to. No. Oh, I'm grooming my child. What? I said, my child, come son, let me show you how to be a girl. Let me show you how to be uh, trans. But this is what politics, the politicians are telling us that we're doing. The rhetoric is crazy. That's why mm-hmm. I am on a mission with this show to get our words out there and the way we're raising our families, which is very, very different in many cases than the rest of society and the rhetoric that's out there. And, you know, I'm trying to normalize this. I'm trying to normalize the weird. I'm trying to normalize the different here because this is the way, in my opinion, to Amen. be the way, Amen. the way we are raising our children, trying us queer folks who already know what it feels like to have the wrath of society upon us or our parents or whatever in different degrees, right? Those of us who like you have come out of it on the other side and who see now, who now know better, we're the ones that society should be listening to. I full-heartedly believe this. I love that. And yet I am still, this podcast is still quote unquote niche. It is not considered like mainstream family and children because it's gay. Because they have to other somebody has to be yeah. other. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, it's time to talk about my California Cryobank promo code that I have for all of you to go make those babies this holiday season. <laughs> you got nothing better to do, right? Let's let's make some babies. So <laughs> in California Cryobank is the same sperm bank that I made my babies at. I love California Cryobank and it's a full service sperm bank and has been in existence for over 45 years. And They've proudly helped tens of thousands of LGBTQIA plus clients create the families of their dreams, including so many folks that have been on my show. And they are the number one sperm bank in the U.S. They ship to over 40 countries and they have one of the largest and most diverse selection of sperm donors out there, which is very, very important. So to learn more, what you're going to do is visit cryobank.com and you're going to use code QUEER 
FAM. And that's going to get you a free level two subscription to their donor catalog. You can also use that code QueerFAM, Q-U-E-E-R-F-A-M, for a nice discount on their level three subscription, which gets you even more things. So if you're looking to make that family, make it with me and then let me know. And then so I can take credit. (laughs) Use that code. Let's make some babies, y'all. Let's make some queer families and change this world. Okay. (laughs) Love is love. And I don't want to say this. I I love what you said. I also don't want to say that all queer folks get a pass. Because I know, as you know, that enough of us have internalized homophobia. Enough of us us are also not, uh, we're transphobic. Enough of us are biphobic. Enough of us are just busy hating. You know, I had one date with a, a lesbian one time and, and she could not get out of her mind that, yeah, but you buy people, you get the best of us. I said, why are you so busy living in the gap? Worried mm. about how the buy people have it so well. What about you living in the gain of how you just met this person that just get to know the person and not mm-hmm. all the labels? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that having a transgender child has taught me to just drop labels already. Mm. Jamie is a person mm. I like to know. And tomorrow, if Jamie says, my name is now Marcus. Hi, Marcus. What's up? <laughs> Let's go. This is yeah. what my own kids taught me, my, the siblings of my child. And I, I don't want to end this podcast without adding that. When a child is transitioning, the entire family is transitioning. The process of unlearning, however, comma, is usually the parents because the siblings, thankfully, most of them are accepting. Not all. My children, the other siblings are very they were like, okay, sure, mom. Listen, if that's what she wants, that's cool. What's for dinner? <laughs> right there. Same sentence. Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. It's us, the older people. We're like, oh, wait. What's the next one going to say? What are they going to say? Listen, they're going to say mm. something anyway. When was the last time you worried about what your neighbors said when you made dinner? Like, so right. why are you now suddenly worried about what your neighbors will say? And so let's just call a spade a spade. My method is not, I'm not going to baby my clients. I don't, I just, I can't if I wanted to. I'm not mm-hmm. here to feel sorry for you or woe is you or I'm mourning the loss of the child that I I assigned the gender. <laughs> yeah. Let's just go there for a minute. You know, when a baby is born, the baby comes out of the vajayjay and the doctor's like, it's a girl and it's a boy. Mm-hmm. And then the baby cries. Do you know why the baby's crying? Do we know? Doctors will tell you that it's because the baby took the first breath and they're living. Mm-hmm. I want to say maybe the baby's also saying, I'm not a boy. I'm not a girl. Because what we're mm-hmm. doing is assigning a genital identity. Genital identity. Mm-hmm. Because gender is up here. It's a personal, internal sense of who I am. And you can take off all my vajayjay and throw it away right now. I am still mm-hmm. a girly girl. The day I found that out, it just occurred to me. I was like, oh, it's a genital identity that we've been assigning to our kids. Mm-hmm. So I want parents to take the responsibility of knowing that you assign the gender slash genital identity, you are the one that raised the child to think that they have to wear pants if they're boys, dresses if they're girls. You did. And the moment the child said, I don't want to wear this, what did you say? Of course you want to wear it. You're a boy, which is what I did. 
So let's mm. just call a spade a spade. This is not Dr. Lulu trying to be right. This is just what I observed, which I did, which almost every single parent, except those raising their kids outside gender boundaries, are doing. We yes. are assigning them a gender based on their genitalia, and we're raising them that way. And when the kid says, but I'm actually not that, we start crying. I have like to think I am raising my children on the other side of this, but I don't know. My child has not come out as trans or invited me in as trans, but mine are, my kids that. are young still. I love that you said kids. Let me go there for a minute. One of the things I'm teaching, one of the new things I'm teaching people is parents is don't assign any son or daughter to your kid. Go mm. with my child all day and then mm. go with my child that I'm raising as a boy, my child that I'm raising as a girl. So that when the child says, I'm actually not a girl, you're like, you know what? I, my bad. I You're already halfway the there then, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, once I started leaning into this, it was like, how come it took you so, so, such a short time? How long do you want it to take me? Like, yeah. I don't want to be suffering. What does my child need from me? How can I help my child? Those are the questions you want to ask yourself. Because mm -hmm. half of the parents that are not affirming, they will tell you, oh, my child is the most important person to me. That's a lie, first of mm -hmm. all. Nobody else should be the most important person to you in your life. Mm. However, comma, you are the most influential person in your child's life. That's two different things. The truth is everybody must be the most important person to themselves. That's called self-care, self-love, selfishness. I like that. However, comma, when it comes to your kid, you are their first influencer. Mm -hmm. And so what you're thinking and what you're feeling and what you're saying and what you're doing matters yeah because the mm. baby is watching like my kid did that's so heavy and you're so right you didn't and think you're like i'm gonna see this lady today i don't <laughs> know what i'm up i guess honey dr lulu i don't think i needed to really speak at all you just have it you just you just roll with it you go i don't think you needed me for this interview but i do want to say the one thing and i want to personalize this a little bit from my my perspective on this and the listeners know this like way too many times. But when I had my child who was assigned male at birth, I oh, knew. Oh, I love it. I, <laughs> I mean, that's not new. That's not new. But like exactly. when I found out I was having a boy, right? I didn't want a boy. I freaked out. I have such a hard time with like with the idea that I would birth a male, the idea that I have to raise a male. It was all so very heavy for me too much. So I'm the exact opposite in a way. Right. And so now my child is really trying to understand his gender in a house full of women. And so it's a different thing for him. So he's because he's the only one with a penis. Right. He's six. So he's learning. Oh, well. And so he talks about it all the time. He talks about I'm a boy. I'm a boy because he's trying to it. understand how do I fit in. I love it. To this world I'm in. My point with this is that gender. And the construct of gender runs so deep on both ends of this. Everywhere. Whereas I would, I feel like I would be fine if he, my child came to me and said, mom, I'm trans. I feel like I'd be okay with it. But at the same time, did I not freak the fuck out mm. when I found out I was giving birth to a penis? Mm. Right? So I think that there is so much crap. That goes it along is. with this construct of gender. I love the self-awareness for you. What you need to do probably next is go, go deeper and actually 
do write on your journal. I have enough journals. Yeah. Do write in your journal and explore where mm-hmm. that came from. A mm. lot of times, as you know, it's something deeper, something maybe from a childhood, some intersecting points when we're younger. It's important for your own freedom. I have nothing mm. to do with your child. This is for your own freedom to explore why you had such a knee-jerk response and why you felt so the way you did. And this is what I tell the parents that I coach. You know, yeah. I love that, you know, you're shocked and you're scared and you're wondering, and did I do something wrong? Because that's what my ex would have blamed me for making the child gay. Straight up said, mm. it was me. So, uh-huh. and then of course I believed him. But the truth is, you got to go there. I mean, we're usually afraid of finding out the truth. But the Mm -hmm. truth will set you free. So if you Mm. spend enough time going in there, getting curious, asking yourself, well, why did I feel this way? And be honest with yourself. Nobody needs to know. And if you don't do it, nobody needs to, nobody's going to know either. But this is for your own sake. This will make make a great podcast episode for you the day you find out why. This is what they yeah. say, right? The day you were born and the day you find out why. So the day you, you decided like, oh, you, in your head, oh my God, I don't want to have, I'm pushing some, I don't want to have a boy. I don't want Why is that? Yeah. Oh, I know. I need to go deeper. There's probably so many layers in there and it is interesting. I've talked about it so much on this show too, but I haven't gone deep enough to understand why. It was so visceral, honestly, mm. my reaction to that, that I told my wife, we're not telling anyone. Like mm-hmm. I was embarrassed. That's telling. I was afraid to tell people that I was having a boy. I didn't want to. I love it. We waited on that news. We waited a long time. And then finally I was like, I have to tell, I have to tell people. Like it was like, I was angry that I had to tell mm. people. It's really, it's deep. That doesn't take away from the love I feel for this child. Oh no, no. The one thing has nothing to do with the other. This is purely you versus you. This is purely Jamie versus Jamie. And I love that you isolated embarrassment as, a, mm. as an emotion. I love that you mm-hmm. isolated that. That came out of whatever is going on. And it doesn't, it's not, even if you've talked about this 26, 11 times. Today, you, I heard you uh, uh, isolate embarrassment. And so what I would mm-hmm. offer as a coach is, and what are the things that usually create embarrassment in Jamie's life? Mm. And how has Jamie handled those in the past? Mm. There's this emotions wheel, feelings wheel. You can go there and find all the feelings. And just go and just get curious and then get to the bottom of it because ultimately you feel so free because now you know. And I say that because a lot of the parents that come to see me have the opposite problem. They want to know what they did wrong to make the Mm -hmm. child trans or the Mm -hmm. child gay. And I tell them, I said, you can look all you want. You won't find an answer because you didn't Mm -hmm. do anything wrong. And then, like I said, I went back to that suffering, but the suffering is because of that. But really, for them, it becomes a familiar emotion. Mm. Well, you know, I just don't know what I did wrong. And, and that they hold on to that sentence and they hold on to that statement and it becomes an, part of the identity. And they don't want to let go because once they let go, they have to they find out that they didn't do anything wrong. So then you have to accept the kid. And then you have to go deeper, right? And find yourself. Find yourself. And that's what um, I think it was uh, Les Brown that said, when you dig deep into the middle of fear and you mm. look in, you'll see yourself, which means you find nothing, really. I did not think we were going to go this deep, Dr. Lulu. I also did not think I was going to get a, a coaching session. <laughs> <laughs> 
you have a life to get through. You, we have to move on. And I want everybody to know where can they find you, Dr. Lulu, and where can they read your books and tell everybody all the things so that everybody can go find you. I have a brand new pediatric, I'm actually not a pediatric practice, but I'm calling it a pediatric practice because I'm a pediatrician by default, but I have a brand new gender affirming family coaching practice that I'm opening up in Atlanta, Georgia next month when I move. It's the only one of its kind because it's black owned and black operated by me. And I'm going to be working with parents and families because I realized that when one child is transitioning, the entire family is transitioning. And the idea came from my, my youngest child who said to me one day, he said, mom, you do know that I went from having a big brother to having a big sister, right? I said, yes. And he was like, mom, nobody talks about that. And I was like, you're right. Mm. So siblings' lives matter too. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about, I want to talk to the whole mm-hmm. family and just help them with the process of navigating gender affirmation. And because I wanted to mention that when people think of gender affirmation, they only think hormones and surgery. But the truth is we're starting at the age of three because gender affirmation for me is like we said at the very beginning, the haircuts, the name, the pronouns, just respecting that this is what I want to wear. And this is who I'm not even sure yet I am, or maybe I'm sure that I am. And we're just like, okay, how can I help you? And what are the obstacles in the way? So we're going to mm-hmm. help you kick the obstacles to the side. That's really what I want to do. The practice is called Dr. Lulu's Pride Corner. We're still working on the website. But if you go to dr-lulu.com, you'll get all the information in about a week or so when we get everything. Dr-lulu.com. So I am active on, on Instagram as Dr. Lulu Talk Radio because I had a radio show when I Open that account. Dr. Lulu Talk Radio, T A L K R A D I O, Dr. Lulu D R L U L U. YouTube is also the same, Dr. Lulu Talk Radio. We have a brand new podcast titled Moms for Trans Kids, which usually we stream live on Sundays at 6 p.m. We did last night. So you can find every single episode of that on the YouTube channel. So it's moms, the number four, trans kids. And the YouTube channel is the same name. And you can also find us on Apple and Spotify. Please give us a follow and then listen. And then other than that, I'm also on LinkedIn, which is really my playground. LinkedIn, I am Dr. Lulu. Um, My first name is Uchenna. My middle name is Dr. Lulu. My last name is Ume. But if you type in Dr. Lulu, I'm the most active Dr. Lulu on LinkedIn. So you can find me there. And this will all be in the show notes for everybody to find. If you look up Dr. Lulu's books, if you look up momatrician, M-O-M-A-trician, M-O-M-A-trician is mom. My pediatrician. And mama. pediatrician, yes. So I own the trademark of Dr. Lulu and the momatrician. Both of them are my trademarks. If you look up that on Amazon, you'll find my books. Otherwise, just, just check out my government name, Ucha Naomi. You'll find my books. Let me know what you think about the books. And stand by for my next two books, actually. You just don't stop. You can't stop, won't stop. Go, go, go. Get it. it. This has been so wonderful. This is not goodbye. I feel like I'll probably be reaching out to you when I find out why I hated boys. I'm kidding. And then I say you can that. Come on our jokingly. podcast and talk about it. Yeah, yeah. When I when I figure it out, I gotta go deep. I gotta do some journaling. This is not goodbye. This has been such a pleasure. I adore you. I think this is wonderful. Same Keep here. doing the stuff. Keep doing the stuff. And um, send love to all of your children. Will will do. Okay. Thank you so much. Muchísimas gracias. Muchísimas. Queer Family Podcast. 
A special thanks once again to our sponsor, California Cryobank. Don't forget, y'all, use that code QUEERFAM, Q-U-E-E-R-F-A-M, for a free level two subscription to their donor catalog. Go make those babies, y'all, and then come tell me about it. (laughs) Go make them. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Love is love. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, feel free to listen to another or watch another. I have so many episodes for your listening or viewing pleasure. Just go pick one and, and enjoy. There's a lot. There really is. And also, if you really do like this show, please, I know I say it all the time, but please do consider supporting the show on Patreon. You're just going to go to patreon.com slash the queer family podcast. You're going to pick a tier. You're going to join and you're going to get that bonus content. And you're also going to get my love and adoration for the rest of my life. (laughs) I love you all. Thanks for tuning in. Keep on tuning in and I'll see you next time. Mwah.